Okay, here we go. Yeah, welcome to the podcast again, Anton. So, for the for the people who are listening to this, this is the second time we've recorded because the first time it didn't want to record half of uh, well, record my side of it. So, here we go again. Um, Anton, do you want to <laughs> do you want to uh, take it away and give a little uh, intro to who you are again, if possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So, uh, my name is Anton Notenboom. In English, Newtonboom sounds more fun. Uh, 35-year-old Dutchman. Uh, I've been living in Sydney, Australia for the last seven years. I recently just returned back to the Netherlands. Uh, I've been here for a month now. Uh, I spent 10 years in the Dutch army before I left to Australia. Uh, three tours to Afghanistan. And when I came to Australia, of course, I had an absolute blast. Um, living life to the fullest, but at some point it was my time to deal with my mental health. Uh, and that led to eventually in 2019 uh, me doing a barefoot, the first person ever to walk barefoot to base camp Mount Everest. And more recently, um, I walked a new Guinness World Records. I walked the 3019K barefoot from Cairns to Sydney uh, to raise awareness for men's mental health. And uh, now we're here and, and doing what we're doing. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And. So when we last spoke, um, for the people who haven't listened to the last podcast, we spoke just after you'd done um, Everest Base Camp, wasn't it, Barefoot, uh, before doing the one that you've uh, just finished now in Australia. Um, so obviously I've got a yeah. few questions about that. I know we've covered some of this in the bit that didn't record just now, but <laughs> oh, if we could <laughs> go over it again, that'd be great. Yeah. So um, when, when did you join the military? How long? And you, you, you're not still serving in the military, are you, you said? No, no, I left the army um, seven years ago, just before I left to Australia. Um, yeah, I was in there for 10 years. I joined when I was just barely 18, um, you know, which provided me you know, pretty much my whole adulthood life. You know, I was in the army. It provided me with, with all the right tools to do what I do right now. Um, and of course, the three missions to Afghanistan, um, you know, they shape you for sure. Um, most days, you know, in a positive way, and there's, there's moments in that that you do not want to do again, but like the negative as well can turn into a positive, you know, once you get the, the strength and resilience out of it. Um, yeah, and then after 10 years, I thought, you know, I've done enough, seen enough. It was time for a new adventure, and I traveled a lot in my life already. Like, whenever I had an opportunity, I would just grab my backpack and just travel low budget, see new cultures, see new places, meet new people, and you know, live, you know, one thing that you really learn on these missions in Afghanistan is life can be over within a second. So live it like there's no tomorrow. And traveling was that for me, you know, just wanted to do and do as much as I can, uh, could. Um, and that kind of led to after those 10 years to me selling my house, selling my car, you know, saying goodbye to friends and family. I wanted to travel the world, um, traveled until I fell in love with the country where I saw new opportunities and a better life balance, you know, not live to work, but work to live. I uh, moved to Australia. I mean, I went traveling to Australia, like working holiday visa and then just madly fell in love with the place and never left. So seven years later, we finally made it back, but we never did the whole world trip anymore. Hmm. Yeah, set, I bet that seven years feels like it just went like that as well. Oh yeah. It's, it's funny though, because in that, in those seven years, um, you know, more happened than in the well, 28 years before, you know, like uh, 
especially when it comes to self-development, self-awareness and you know, where I stand in life right now, that all happened in such a short time period, just a few years compared with the whole life I had before. So it's been, it's been massive, but then looking back on it, it just seems like such a short time. And yeah, I do, I do miss it terribly. I've never been homesick before. I'm, I'm homesick now, like I miss Australia. I, I, well, fingers crossed you're going to get well no, actually no, not fingers crossed you are going to get back out there like you said I, I will get back the, the journey uh, yeah like we spoke about just before the call wasn't it um, you said about like some of the people you met on the on the walk that you did around Australia I think things like that happen for a reason so like meeting those those ministers yeah. and things I mean hopefully that is you know but that, that little guidance or that little sign that's going to help you to get back uh, you know back yeah. there because you've done so much you know from a, like a charity standpoint as well because you raised money for a men's mental health charity in the Netherlands as well as in Australia didn't you yeah yeah so in the end I worked for four different organizations two in Australia and two in the Netherlands um, all mental health related um, but yeah like I was definitely keen to start that work uh, in Australia but that's that's going to happen in the Netherlands now so I'm just setting myself up to do the same thing here and see where that leads uh, and where that takes me yeah, and how much was you? Did you raise altogether? Uh, in the end, uh, a bit over eighty-five thousand Australian dollars. So it was—it's blew my mind. You know, before the walk, mm. uh, one of the charities asked me like, "Oh, how much are you hoping to raise?" Like, I've got no clue. Maybe twenty, twenty-five. You know, that would be absolutely amazing already. And by yeah, by the time I finished, it was just over eighty-five thousand combined between the Netherlands and Australia. It was—it's nuts, crazy, that's amazing. So good. That, that's incredible. That is incredible, fair play. And I, I, I have to ask you about this as well. So, like, um, Hugh Jackman, how did that come about? <laughs> yeah, that was a cool little surprise. So, um, Gus Warland, he's the founder of Gotcha for Life, the biggest mental health organization I worked for, and the one uh, I hope to do work with in the future as well when I go back to Australia. Um, hmm. His best mate is Hugh Jackman. They went to school together and they, they still, you know, even though he lives in the States, they're still calling each other almost every day. And I knew that. Um, but then, you know, I never expected Hugh Jackman actually to reach out. So Gus already mentioned a few times, like, hey, you know, Hugh's asking about you. And I was like, how's that tall Dutchman going with his bare feet? And then um, <laughs> one particular morning where I was actually struggling pretty badly, just physically, mostly, just swearing out loud, like on the side of the highway, getting through the day I got this FaceTime request well actually I just saw this random number pop up first and what happens a lot in Australia is that you get these calls and they're trying to sell like uh, electricity or a new phone to you something like that so you know I've learned how to ignore that and just in the very last second I saw FaceTime request at the bottom so it's kind of like oh that's a bit odd they usually don't use FaceTime so I was like oh let's just pick up and then, you know, it was the phase of you, Jackman. He was, um, he was in his hotel room in quarantine in, um, in Australia. He was visiting his dad at the time. And yeah, he just, he just FaceTimed me. He just wanted to check in and have a chat. And cool thing was, it was, you know, as if we were just mates and we were just checking in after a few months of you know, how we're doing. And we had like a really cool chat, you know, like he actually, like we, we actually got pretty, um, how do you say it? Intimate as well. Like, as in he was sharing a story about his dad. Um, you know, I felt mm. I felt honored that he wanted to share that with me, and it was amazing. Like, he's such a genuine, down to earth guy. Like, with some actors, you can kind of see on the screen already that 
you know they're, they're you know just normal people like you and i and hmm. he's definitely one of them he's just a normal bloke just having you know a genuine conversation it was uh, it was amazing to have that support and then afterwards he, he used his social media to to share the, sh uh, the story every now and then which led to way, like way more support of course as well like a bigger reach um so hmm. yeah absolutely amazing that's it you know things like that is absolutely surreal but i i think you know it's when, when you're putting yourself in a position like that, you know, it's, it's going to draw attention, but it's also going to, you know, draw, draw people to you because people look at it and go, this person's doing something special. You kind of know that, don't you? You kind of look at it and go, this is, like, this is different. And people are attracted to that, I think. You know, people want to yeah. help out or get on board. Um, you know, I found that when we, so me and um, a girl called Frankie, we set up to do a 100-mile ultramarathon last year. And we, um, the, the support we had was insane. It, the, the support was absolutely amazing. Like I had people just reaching out, some people I didn't really know as well, saying, oh, you know, can I give you some of this stuff or can I give you some of this, which will be good for this? And, and you know, they weren't trying to market their, their own products. You know, they were actually like, look, just take it. Just, just yeah. have it, you know. They didn't even, some, some wanted to be sponsors, some just genuinely wanted the support. Uh, and it, I think it's incredible when you've got, like I said, when you're doing something like that, people know you're doing it for a good cause and you're also going to be pushing the physical and mental boundaries. It's, yeah, it does. It gets people to, drawn to you. So that, that's incredible, the fact that you've, uh, like, you know, that, that, that he got out, reached out as well. So yeah. uh, did he come and see you as well in person or? No, he wanted to, but he, like Australia, of course, had very strict lockdown rules. So he wanted to come walk with me for a bit, but then, uh, yeah, he was stuck in, in, in his hotel room for the first two weeks. And then he only had one week left to, uh, you know, to visit his dad and his family. So there was no time for him yeah. to fly up, unfortunately, but who knows in the future when I come back to Australia, I'll, I'll meet him one day. We'll see. Yeah. Awesome. Now, so if we get into the, um, so I think, I think we covered this on the last bit that we recorded and not and before the uh the software had a bit of a doom yeah, so, yeah so the everest walk so the in comparison to the walk around australia what like you know how hard was the everest one in oh. comparison do you know I mean which one well yeah. com compared compared to the the aussie walk nepal was mm -hmm. you know an absolute walk in the park it was it was really yeah it was crazy it's mostly because um of course nepal like going going up to base camp Everest barefoot only took me nine days. Um, to do the distance I did in Australia was 163 days. Um, where in Nepal, it was mostly the last three days where I was just walking on pure rock and ice and you know cold and and low on oxygen and tired and miserable. I was having moments like that on pretty much every single day of the 163. Uh, that I did for um, for the walk in Australia. So, yeah, it was, of course, like completely different challenges. But when it comes to like toughness, there's, there's nothing I can compare to what I had to go through on, on a walk in Australia. Um, but then, you know, Nepal was, was absolutely amazing in its own way. Um, you know, that was the first time that's actually where the Barefoot Dutchman was born. The whole idea of it. Uh, where I realized, you know, it's as simple as using my two bare feet to to make a difference for someone else and to to show as well that our body and mind are capable of doing so much more than we give it credit for. Um, 
So that on its own was already, you know, amazing. That led to so many more things. Um, yeah, and just to be in the Himalayas, man, like, you know, Australia is beautiful. It's, it's the most beautiful country I've ever seen. But to be in the Himalayas as something majestic, you know, to be between those high mountains, um, the people, the culture, like how genuinely kind they are and, and helpful. And, um, you know, I was, I was walking to raise funds and awareness for the people living in the remote communities of the Himalayas and to see where, you know, where that money was going and to feel the gratitude for the first time in my life doing something like that. Yeah, that's something you'll just never forget. And that will just give you so much more, you know, energy and motivation to keep going as well. Yeah, and, and do you know what? The, I think the the support that you have on social media for you know for, for that as well, especially I didn't obviously didn't know you when you were doing the the Everest walk, but I know with the walk you done in Australia, the support you had on like social media was was quite significant. I think and and, and yeah. in person as well, isn't it? We we spoke about it earlier briefly. Um, the you know the support with with the cart with Wilson, um, you know when people were coming out to actually help you to change the tires or, ch- or you know. Uh, weld it together and things like that like it does it shows the best of the best of humanity i think yeah. isn't it when people are you know when you when you're pushing yourself through something at the expense of sorry not at the expense but for other people yeah you know and for charity like you did well i think one of the best things from this whole walk is that i got to show that you know like in in media and, and lots on social media we get to see so many negative things and we start to lose hope in humanity. We start to lose hope, you know, in in the people around us. Like we think it's all negative. Um, but this now show there's a million times more good people out there doing good things than we get to see. We only get to see the negative. But now I was in a position to every day show the good in people because, you know, every single day people would pull over their cars and uh, have a chat, check in on me if I was okay, if I needed anything to donate. Um, it was amazing and to share those stories to be able to share those stories every day like you, you, you cannot feel more lucky to be in that position and you know when it comes to the extent of how like how far they will go to help me out um, there was a stretch it's called the Marlboro stretch it's um, by car it's about four hours of driving in absolutely nothingness like no ro- uh, no um, houses, no petrol stations, um, absolutely nothing except for road and bush. And for me, walking it barefoot, it took me about two weeks. And that set middle of that um, of that stretch, Wilson, the little the little dog trolley that I was pushing, mm-hmm. uh, fully broke down, and I needed a new wheel. So there was this uh, Dutch couple. They lived a few hours up north, and they heard about it. They needed to be like a few hours south of, from where I was. So they said like, well, come pick, pick it up, pick your wheel up on the way and we'll bring it into the city to get it fixed. And I called this um, uh, bikey shop, this um, push bike shop. And they stayed open on the Sunday, especially for me, so he could fix the wheel straight away and return it to them so they could bring it back up again. Um, you know, it was absolutely amazing. And I was stuck there in my tent on the side of the high one is deserted truck stop uh, with nothing around for four days in the end just sitting in my tent and people would just you know drive over check in on me see if I needed anything bring food bring water um, and just be some good company it's 
absolutely amazing what people do. You know, didn't matter where I was, I could be somewhere in the bush in my tent in the middle of the night, and people would just show up with a hot curry. You know, like just made me a hot meal. Um, people had no, so you know, some people would see me on the side of the highway, walking barefoot, struggling, didn't know what it was about. So they drove into town to buy me a pair of shoes, drive back to hand me over a pair of shoes, not knowing I wasn't allowed to wear shoes. But you know, they, they see a random stranger on the side of the highway. And without even thinking about it, they go and buy shoes, uh, which shows again, you know, like, there's there's so many good people out there, which is, you know, we need to open ourselves up to it, you know, have these conversations with each other, just, you know, speak to a random change, like stranger and, and just have a conversation. You know, you'll be surprised of, of how cool that it can be. But then don't believe just what you see on media and social media as well. Like it's, it's way out of proportion as in when it comes to terms of good people and bad people out there. There's so many more good people out there. Yeah, no, a hundred percent that's, and you know, I, I love that. Like I said, that it, it, you've given examples there of, like you said, genuine things that people do that you don't really hear about. Cause like you see now and again on social media or now and again, you know, somebody will pay for your meal when you go to McDonald's, you know, yeah. like it, it's, it's rare that those thing ha things happen and you hear about it. But like you said, it seems few and far between. Whereas when you look at that, you can see actually, do you know what, the amount of support and the amount of aid that people have given across the, you know, six months that you were doing it. It's it just yeah it does it goes to show that there are a lot more that people are there to help and they will uh, they, yeah. they will go out of their way to do so it's just yeah like you said it doesn't all get documented on social media uh, I True. suppose which is good yeah yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> so um, I I know you said the heat was a was a real fucker um, yeah you were doing that wasn't it I think I see it was like it was like two days in or something wasn't it you put up a post or a story saying um, didn't expect it to be as hot on the tarmac barefoot as it was yeah well it was more like the how do you say it? the the structure of the tarmac. it wasn't tarmac it was just um you know what's it called oh i think it's called tar but then just like you know rocks just thrown on there and not really made flat so it's just like all these rocks just sticking up into your feet where when i was just doing my barefoot walks in sydney you know you're all on just nice smooth roads that's what you think you're going to get and then it just happened to be that the first 2000 k's of the walk was just the bruce highway which is tar and rock um, and then like most of the loose rock end up on the side of the highway where i was walking um and if you had like uh, you know the the grassy bits Grass in Australia is different as well. Like you've got one, you've got bindis. They're like a type of wheat with like really sharp thorns in there. They go through your tires. So imagine what they do to your bare feet. This glass, this uh, rubbish, you know, there, there was no real gentle way of, of walking, like gentle place to walk there. So my feet were hurting so much from constantly stepping on these rocks. Like I said, you know, like it's, it's like stepping on Lego when you step on Lego, your whole body just cramps up for a moment, right? So that's how I was walking for hours on a day. And because my feet were hurting that much already, I couldn't really feel the heat of the tarmac anymore because pain is pain. Um, but then the heat itself from, from some of the days, you know, you're already using so much energy from walking cramped, uh, cramped up like that. 
um, that the heat just drains more and more energy out of you. So it was it was definitely a big battle most of the days. Um, I, I timed it well weather-wise. You know, I, I started at the end of wet season up north and at the start of winter south. Um, so I, I walked through the best months in, in Australia to, to do something like that. But then still, you know, it's, it's Australia. If it's hot, it's hot. Yeah. Did, did you uh, come across many animals or many like snakes, spiders, anything like that? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like mostly dead. I, I, I stopped counting after a hundred, but I've seen more than a hundred dead snakes on the side of the highway because they warm up on us like on the road and then they get hit by cars. Um, you know, you've got the most poisonous snake in the world living in that region and the most deadly snake in the world living in that region. And then you've got heaps of other like poisonous snakes and I was walking barefoot. So it's not ideal circumstances. Uh, but in the end, I've only seen actually seen one live snake, a big python. I'm pretty sure that has been quite a few around my tent while I was, you know, pitched up and, and sleeping. Um, I reckon I've seen more than 300 dead kangaroos and, and wallabies just rotting away on the side of the highway pigs. You know, and yeah. I was always walking downwind for some reason, so I could smell them from a distance, and then just I had to walk towards it. Is it's not, yeah, it's not the best, uh, but it was you know part of it. Yeah, I've seen a lot Have of you seen any live ones. Things. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, yeah. I've seen <laughs> live things as well. Yeah, yeah, lots of. I was going to say that three. <laughs> <laughs> but like honestly, I was expecting to see way, way more, you know, live wildlife, but. I think because I'm walking on the side of the highway, they do know how to stay away from it. It's more at night when they come out. Um, you know, I got a whole new love for cows. You know, there was like heaps of these massive cow farms and they're, they're so social, you know, they always come check you out. They always hurdle up and, mm -hmm. and follow you for a bit. So that was, that was my social interaction. Most of the time it's just with the cows <laughs> that were following me. <laughs> what, what, but, was the, um, what, what was, you say the, what was the best sort of, what was the best or most memorable part of the whole whole walk like what would be yeah what's the thing that really stuck oh. out to you or, or that you were sort of grateful for i uh to be honest i had grateful moments every single day as in you know i definitely learned how to live in the now and how to appreciate the now no matter what the circumstances are so there was always a moment on a day where i was absolutely struggling swearing out loud to myself, to the wind, to trucks passing by, to life, just being absolutely miserable. And then on the same day, I could be frothing on life because, you know, I would just be looking at the nature around me thinking, well, I get to do this. I get to walk here and I get to do this mission. And then I walked through so many different, um, how do you say it, like natural environments. So up north, you've got the tropics and it's like sugarcane fields as far as the eye can see. Uh, you know, bush, the tropical bush, and then it turns into these plain fields. And, you know, in a car, it seems absolutely boring. But when you walk it, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like a magical spot as well. And you kind of feel that presence of the indigenous, like the, the ancient culture that has been there for like thousands of years already. And then you get to the coastline, you know, the Sunshine Coast, uh, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, you get to walk you know, along the beach for the first time, like it took me about three and a half months to get there, but then you get to walk the coastline and you see the most amazing beaches and, and ocean. And I saw whales and dolphins passing by, um, 
you know, that's, that's something on itself as well. And then the further south I got, I got into more of the towns and the cities, you know, it got a bit more densely populated. And that on itself, again, was a beauty as well. You know, you speak to more people, um, you see more things happening. So every stage had its own beauty and its own thing to be grateful for. But every day was an absolute roller coaster. You know, I could wake up feeling absolutely miserable. You know, sometimes when you deal with your mental health, with the depression, coming out of your bed is the biggest task already. That's kind of how I felt it at those days as well, because you knew you had to come out, your tent, pack your shit up, and just walk on this horrendous, you know, road made and designed by the devil. Mm. But then halfway during the day, all of a sudden you were walking in this beautiful setting and you met a few people that shared their mental health story or, you know, shared they actually, you know, um, it triggered them to do something and then the whole day was worth it again. So it was, every day was a surprise and every day, you know, it was always an end well kind of, kind of story. No, that's, that's amazing. Cause like you said, I think when you're walking barefoot or running barefoot, you know, I've done it myself as well. Like every single step brings you back to this present moment. And I think like, when you're when you're walking like you said barefoot feeling every step i think you're looking around as well almost things to distract you i think from the the, the pain that you're going through yeah. at that moment which you know and subsequently when you're looking around you're being more mindful then of the environment and looking for those little things i think you know the uh yeah just the things within nature whether it's i don't know the the, the trees or the, or the beaches or the mountains whatever you kind of a bit more conscious of all of it yeah um that's how i how i can imagine it being anyway yeah it? definitely you get to appreciate it on on such a different level and and with the pain as well like after i reckon it was like after five days like i was you know i was just slowly dying of the pain like i was i i mm -hmm. it was overwhelming when i thought about like how long i had to go and how different this mission was going to be because of the condition of the roads but after five days I kind of accepted the pain as it was. So I kind of told myself, you know, this pain is not going to go anywhere. It's not going to change. It's just going to be there. So just accept it. And as soon as you kind of accept the pain for what it is, you get to live with it. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to disappear. It's just part of, part of the journey. And the more you accept it, the better it gets. So the smoother the days get. Instead of only focusing on the pain you have, I started to put that a bit more on the background. I started to focus on, you know, like you said, as well, the mindfulness and the things I could see and the things I get to do. Um, and then some days the pain was a little bit less. Some days the pain was a little bit worse. The pain was there, but it was just, you know, something you had to accept. And that's, yeah, it's definitely something we can apply in daily life as well. You know, there's going to be moments where you're going to be struggling and it's going to hurt. But as soon as you kind of accept that's there, it becomes a little bit less um, on the front, you know, like that it's not taking over your life or your day. Uh, it's just part of it. And I, you know, what? that's, that's awesome. Cause that's really symbolic of life in general, isn't it? You know, you're going to have these days where things are going a little bit, little bit, little bit better, um, you know, a bit more smoothly. Then you're going to have those days where things are a bit more rocky. And like you said, it's, it's about kind of accepting, right. Today's one of those days where it's a little bit more rocky yeah. and learning from it and thinking okay what what's you know what what's going on today that i can learn from okay what you know and what lessons can i take that in the future 
it's just that little bit less rocky, you know, or I'm able to deal with it a little bit better than I, uh, I did today. And I suppose, you know, the, the walk that you've done is symbolic of that in a sense, because, you, you know, you kind of walk and you think, right, there are going to be other surfaces, there are going to be other roads that are horrible and, you know, painful, but you've just still got to push through it because you know that there is a finish line or there is a point where you're going to get to and you're going to be back in that place where it's like, right, you know, I, I've achieved this, you know, I've got through it. And you're also going to have roads along the way where you've got beautiful scenery, you know, you've got nice tarmac, so then you know you're going to be walking on it. And it's going to be uh, a lot easier, a lot more pleasant. So I suppose it's just taking the bad with the good in that respect. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly it. And that's, that's how... Mm. You know, I looked at it every single morning as well. Like, like I said, when you wake up, when you're in, you know, the depression or when you're struggling with your mental health, that you feel that anxiety, you feel that pressure on your chest straight away. You don't want to face the day. But then, you know, just coming out of bed and facing the day is already something you can, you know, be grateful for and just give yourself a little tap on the shoulder for it. And it just shows that you never know what's going to happen on that day. You know, it can be a horrible start of the day, but it might just be something on that day that just changes the whole thing around and you end up just being grateful for it so and then again like by the end of the day like you said as well you, you're one step closer again as cliches it may sound but you're one step closer to towards the end goal of becoming better and feeling better so it's all about just you know taking those steps coming out of that just taking those steps and you never know what's around the corner um, and that's what you know what I was able to show with this walk for 163 days straight uh, and it never stops, you know, that's just life. Life is just, you know, ups and downs constantly. It's gonna go, like, it's gonna throw curveballs. Uh, you never know what to expect. But the more you do this, the more resilient you get, the more strength you get, the better, the more knowledge you have about yourself, what your triggers are, where the triggers come from and how to respond to those triggers. So, you know, you can improve your own life and you start to feel better and better. But then at the same time, it's totally fine just to have shit days, you know, except that it, it doesn't, doesn't always have to be good or positive or going somewhere. Sometimes you can easily just lay on the couch, feel miserable, eat a tub of ice cream or watch Netflix. It's fine. And you don't always have to feel good, but just be grateful for the fact that you got out of bed, you faced the day. And at the end of the day, you just one step close, regardless of, of how you tackle that day. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it, 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 you've hit the nail on the head, 100%. Um, one question I've got, actually, which I uh, want to bring up as well, is the so the mindset you had going into it. So we've talked about, like, your mindset during, but just before you actually went and done the walk, and, and also Everest as well, so, like, when you were on the lead-up to it, what was what was going through your head? Was, was there any, a point, uh, any point where you thought, I don't know if I can do this or anything like that. What was your kind of, you know, how were you, how were you reviewing it, the, uh, what you were about to do? Um, well, one, like, just no, I had no expectations. Like, I didn't, like, with Nepal, for example, I started to read one blog, and while, like, of, of, of the walk, like, of how they experienced it. And while reading the blog, like, I think it was, like, quarter way in, I stopped reading. It's like, no, I don't want to know. I want my own experience. I don't want to live someone else's experience and go with those expectations, you know, go towards the start. Mm. I just wanted everything to be a surprise because if you don't have any expectations, then there's no disappointment. You know, it's just all new. Um, and I did the same with, with, um, 
this Australian walk as well. Like I, I'm just taking it day by day. So I got myself to the start to see what happens. You know, of course you have to do some prep work as in material wise, like bring the right clothes, bring the white, like the right gear, uh, food and, and water and that, and uh, that kind of stuff. But other than that, I didn't check the route. I didn't check the map. I didn't check what to expect. I mean, that's why, you know, the Bruce highway being an absolute nightmare was such a surprise. I just didn't know um, but that, you know, like gives you exactly the right tools again, because you have to adapt on the spot, gives you the right tools for, for future, you know, um, endeavors. And one thing that I always have before I start on something, if I start on something, I'm going to finish it. There's no way I'm going to stop. And I keep telling myself that as well, like, I'm not, I'm not going to share this story. I'm not going to start this challenge and not finish it. Of course, you know, when life happens, it's, it's not always going to be that good. There could be, you know, an accident, there could be something happening that you can't finish it. But in my own mindset from the start, from me sharing the story, I'm going to do this. I tell myself every single day, there's no way I'm not going to finish this. There's like, there's nothing can stop me. Um, like there's, there's no point of starting something like this with, with doubt if you're going to make it or not, just tell yourself you're going to make it. And then once you're in there and, and something inevitable happens, you now you can just accept as well, like this is out of my control, but at least I know for myself, I could have finished or I can finish. And that's, that's how I went in there. So pretty much no preparation, just telling myself, I'm going to start this. I'm going to finish it. How? I don't know, but it's going to happen. Yeah, that's, do you know what, that's a really, really good point, because like you said, I think a lot of people have uh, an expectation about how things are going to go, and yeah, it does, it really, um, it can damage the experience, I think, if you have that expectation of, you know, how it's going to go, no matter, no matter what, really, like if you talk about somebody who's doing, um, uh, I don't know, a competition, let's just say for, for bodybuilding or something along those lines, if you going into it and you're expecting right this is going to happen or you know whatever or even expecting to win you can say right i am going to do my best and i'm going to prepare as much as possible the outcome is out of my hands but yeah. i am going there and i'm going to make sure that i'm on that stage that's the that's the kind of part that you can play isn't it in yeah. situations like that you're like i'm going to show up and i'm going to keep showing up and the outcome is out of my hands ultimately. Yeah. But as long as you have that sort of vision about getting there um, and doing everything you can beforehand and doing, then the, you know, that's all we that's all we can do, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really important message, that is. Yeah, yeah, and again, that just applies for pretty much everything you, you want to start on in life. And then, you know, when it comes to setting these goals as well, like don't try to now, once once we once we start something new or once we set ourselves a goal we want to do the whole thing at once you know we get excited and we want to you can only think about the finish line but that can become overwhelming because you know there's so much in between we want to you know as cliche again as it may sound but we want to eat the whole cake at once no one can eat a whole cake at once you get sick if you eat a whole cake at once and there's no like you can't enjoy it so you know with dividing the cake in small eatable uh, bits you get one. You get to enjoy the cake. You get to enjoy it way longer. You get a sense of achievement out of you know finishing those, those smaller bits, and in the end, it all leads towards the bigger picture. So whenever you set yourself a goal like this, whatever that may be, don't try to be at the finish line straight away. Don't try to eat the whole thing at once. Just 
you know, allow yourself small achievable goals to eventually get to that, to that finish line and, you know, get the satisfaction out of those small achievable goals. Mm. Yeah. The smaller goals are so important because it, you know, it's good to have the, it's good to have the big sort of monumental goals that we want to achieve, but you've got to break it down. Otherwise it can be overwhelming. Like you said earlier about the distance, Yeah, I suppose like when, when you're looking at it, you're thinking, oh my God, I'm in pain and I've only done 20 miles or 50 miles or whatever it is. And I've got all of this other distance to go. You know, it's, it can be overwhelming. You've got this, this mammoth task, but I think you've just got to break it down into, well, break it down into days and then even break it down into hours from there. So you're going to yeah. go, right. So I'm just going to, well, not even hours, you break it down even further, you can go, right, I just, I'm going to walk to that lamppost here, and then when I get to that lamppost, I'm going to keep walking to the next one. You can break it down as, as much as you want, yeah. and, you know, you're almost counting the little wins then. If you think, right, okay, I just want to get up today, and I'm just going to walk as long as I can, and then I'm going to go to bed, and, and that's that, you know, I'm just, that's the one focus I've got today. And you go, right, boom, I've done that, and you get that sense of achievement, because you're like, I've done another day here, I've done, I've walked this far and you're focusing on the miles racking up and in terms of what you've done rather than what's left to yeah, come so exactly. you're not thinking about the 3,000 other kilometers you're thinking about the 10 that you've already walked yeah. you know yeah that's 100 percent it you know like it's definitely dream big you know like nothing is impossible dream big but i think that the main thing with it all is just start don't overthink it don't over prepare it. Don't think you need to do this and this and this first, or don't think about the finish line. Just start and go from there and start building, you know, bits and pieces. Mm. Um, but that's, I think, you know, when it comes to all these kind of things, we, you know, we always think that we need to be in this perfect state before we start anything. Like everything needs to be built up first to like to a certain moment. No, you just need to start mm. and it can be today and it's, if you know from this uh, more than three thousand k walk, I started with two and a half k's, you know, and that led to okay, let's do a bit more, let's do. A bit more. I just started, and that's it, and it just started to build from there on. And it's the same with eventually the world record walk. I didn't do much preparations. I just flew up and I started, and from there on, this whole story started to develop. Um, but in the end, like there's no point of, of waiting for that perfect moment. There is no perfect moment. The, the only moment is now. It's cliche, but it needs to happen and you just need to start. Mm. Yeah, 100%. V vision's important, but like you said, it's more important to just think, right, this is the direction I want to walk in and I'm going to just start walking right now yeah. and I'm going to see how it goes. You know, I'm not going to place too much reliance on how the how it's going to go because that's where the fun is i know like you said i know it sounds cliche but when people say it's not the it's not where the destination is the journey yeah. but it, it is you it know is. when you're i when you're driving somewhere let's say it's an eight hour drive you're focusing on the point you're going to get to in eight hours you're thinking right so i'm going to drive to um i don't know sydney so i'm going to drive to sydney from gold coast that's about eight and a half hours so you're not thinking about all of the stuff that you're going to see or interact with and things on the way. You're thinking about getting to Gold Coast and what it's going to be like when you get there. Yeah. So what really happens is if you keep your sort of mind focused on that point, you're going to think, oh, yeah, this is going to be nice and, and whatever, placing expectations almost on what you're going to experience when you're there, but not 
actually appreciating all of the beautiful things you're going to see on the way there and uh, and that's why i love it if things happen like i don't you get a flat tire or you know you run out of petrol or whatever it is i at the time i'm like oh, this is shit but i kind of think right this is all part of the story this is what makes it more memorable yeah exactly. you know when, when things go wrong because it's that's what life is you know things go wrong or things happen that you don't mm. expect and then you go right okay uh, I'm gonna have to deal with this now, and those end up being the best stories, you know. When you look back on it retrospectively, it doesn't feel like it at the time. No, but, you know. But in hindsight, it's always the best stories. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, that's why it's good what you did with the whole walk. I suppose not, ex not looking at other people's stories and other people's experiences, because then yeah, you're you're almost thinking, oh well, actually, after a hundred miles, I'm gonna be feeling like this. Yeah, it's like no, actually, just just go roll with it and deal with it when you get to that point exactly okay what what can i do now that's gonna that's gonna help me it's it's always going to turn out differently than you planned anyway you know especially when it, it's like these type of lengths and uh, these like massive goals you can plan whatever you want it's going to turn out differently because there's so many different factors that are involved except like besides just your own planning um hmm. so yeah be prepared but just start <laughs> Be prepared but just start love that that's the quote for the uh, <laughs> podcast so far so i want to i want to talk about the so the the mental health ad, like stuff that you've been doing since and and doing as well so i know you, you talked about obviously the the military and your own kind of experiences with with mental health and the, the kind of reasons why you got into it in that sense i mean what what are you doing currently in terms of mental health because I, I know i've noticed the top you've got on as well so talk to me bro yeah uh do you want to just talk about some of the stuff you're involved in currently and and your thoughts really about um you know just mental health in general and how people can can manage it better and overcome things yeah so any thoughts you've got on it well of course like the whole the, the main one of the main reasons why i did the walk is so i could create a platform where i could share my own stories and that of the people i met on the way so no, I'm, I'm, I'm no professional, I'm no mental coach, I'm no guru or anything like that. Um, you know, I'm just me and I just share whatever I go through and whatever I learn um, and wherever I meet. And that's, that's basically what I do right now. So I just create more stories that people hopefully can, you know, resonate with, level with and, and get something out of that makes them feel better, gives them strength or resilience that you need in those times. You know, tips and tools that they can apply into their own lives, whatever works for them. Um, you know, and hopefully that creates that safe space. So I firmly believe that sharing our own story creates a safe space for someone else to feel that he can, he or she can share their story as well. And that's what we need to do. Like it's, it's, you know, it's up to us to be that person for each other. Um, you know, we need to know that our own personal story has actually the ability to save lives i've had moments where you know uh, i heard stories or i shared stories where you didn't think you know it left any impression but a year later you hear the story how that you know person that heard that story actually you know was thinking about ending his or her life but then because of hearing that story got you know the right tools or the right motivation to to do something about it to feel better about themselves and to feel inspired to do more um so I, I will keep doing that forever and ever like just be open be vulnerable lead by example is something i definitely learned in the army um 
if I want to change the stigma around men's mental health in particular and show that, you know, showing emotions and vulnerability is completely fine, has nothing to do with your masculinity, you're just human, then I need to be that person that does it uh, firsthand. So I'm doing that, social media. Um, there's lots of organizations that I want to help with just promoting them. You know, there's so many organizations that do the great work, uh, just like Talk To Me Bro, that's one one in, in Australia, and uh, I definitely want to promote that here in the Netherlands as well. Um, so I'm definitely big on, on just, you know, attaching myself to as many organizations as I can to promote that work so people know that they can go to these places. Um, I am a speaker now, motivational speaker, so I go to companies and um, hopefully schools soon where I can share my stories with them um, to hopefully inspire and motivate them as well to feel comfortable with sharing their emotions. So I show them the hard numbers of where we stand right now when it comes to mental health and men's mental health, but I show them as well what we can do about it in our own friends, like group of friends or community or work environment or sports environment. Um, uh, breath work is something like, is a tool that I learned recently um, that has such, you know, immense power to change people's mental health. And it's as simple as using your own breath that can do it. So again, I've done the training um, with breathless ex uh, expeditions in Australia. But I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm no guru, like I'm no expert. I've done the training, but it's not that I know it all. I just feel this urge of, I want to share this tool because it helped me. So if I can just share the same thing with other groups of people, then hopefully they can get the same result out of it. So I want to, you know, start teaching breath work in different environments to hopefully just share what I've just learned and to hopefully them feeling the same thing as, as I've learned. And I truly believe breath work has that power. Like I've not met anyone that has done breath work and said like, well, has done nothing to me. Like everyone's like, holy shit, this blew my mind. Um, so yeah, that's, that's another thing that just landed on my path that I want to keep sharing. So basically my life just is sharing whatever I learned right now. And I've created this platform and hopefully that platform just keeps growing. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, when people ask me like you are, um, seeing right now as well, when people have questions for me, my answers are never short. I need to learn how to shorten my answers. So it becomes a bit more impactful. But one really good thing is where I can just share everything is a book. So I've recently been asked to write a book, just finished it. Uh, it's been published in two weeks. So exciting and nervous at the same time. Uh, but that's another platform where I could just share everything that happened in my life, key moments that made me who I am right now to hopefully, again, inspire others or make others feel a bit better about their situation or give them the right tools. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to keep, hopefully keep growing in, in what I've just started now. Uh, the cool thing is when I started the walk, I had no intentions other than doing the walk and just raising funds and awareness. And now it's become my life. That, that's it. See, it's, it's about accepting, um, it's accepting what comes, isn't it? Like you said, even though you didn't set out to write a book, you've actually gone out there and achieved something incredible. And then the messages that you've sent across social media and, and in person to the people that you've met, they're quite profound. And like, it's just adding on top of that again, isn't it? It's like, you know, just thinking actually, yeah, I've got a message to set to tell here. 
and to put out and just finding the mediums in which to do it and, and yeah writing a book is, is definitely one of those well done by the way um, obviously I only saw this yesterday didn't I so it's uh, yeah it's, it's incredible That's, I can't wait for it to be translated into uh, so in English. English so when is the <laughs> so just for people listening so you've got the the, the um, Dutch version is coming out in two weeks you said yeah. is it so on the 7th of and June then, the Dutch one will be published and then shortly after that so when that um, you know momentum is kind of gone we're not gone but like the chaos around that is kind of gone we'll take our time we'll translate to english and then we'll get it into uh you know of course australia but hopefully other countries as well whoever wants to read it um yeah we'll see how that one goes but right now it's it's definitely it's definitely nerve-wracking because there's a lot of personal stories in there um you know that you are vulnerable in that spot and now it's there for everyone to read but hopefully it's it's going to do the trick and you know what there's there's growth that can come on your part as well from actually putting it out there isn't it like it's it's it's, it's quite nerve-wracking it's quite scary when you're sharing your own story for the first time you know especially when you're putting it out there and you don't really know how many people are gonna hear it or see it or read it and i think it's yeah it can be quite daunting but there's a lot of growth yeah. that comes from just being able to put it well to be vulnerable like you said and i think that's something that we we, we've all got to learn to, to try and do more is be more vulnerable and that includes like you said there about talking your, about emotions and I think that's a problem with men right away across the world not just in Australia or Netherlands and you know I know it's the same in the UK as well there's this sort of expectation that if we talk about our emotions as a man that we're going to get judged by other men or by you know by women and, and not be seen as as attractive not being seen as sort of uh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know uh, as as the p kind of person that they would want to be with if it's a you know a partner for example yeah. or if it's a uh, just another person they're going to be like oh yeah look at the, you know look at him he's he's talking about his emotions it's not it, it's starting to change now i think a lot of people are actually being more uh accepting of it so like i know with my friends you know if they talk to me you know or, or about stuff like I'm like oh you know and I I'm, I'm really grateful that they've actually mentioned to me that they're going through a tough time because I recognize how challenging that can be to do for a lot of people especially people in you know the area that I've grown up yeah. in it's yes yeah, it, it was definitely stigmatized when I was growing up but it's starting to change now which is really nice to see yeah i think um i think COVID did us a little favor with that because all of a sudden a lot of people for two years in a row were stuck with themselves and had to deal with their own mental health where a lot of people thought you know mental health is only you know for the people that are in psych wards now they're starting to realize you know it's for everyone we all go through you know our challenges we all go through our mental health struggles and then especially when it comes to you know towards men we've we've started the conversation so it's definitely you know becoming uh, more of an open topic but still you know it's it's very very minimal to what it should be so still so many men grow up and only know the fact that or like the the outdated perspective that showing emotion and vulnerability is a weakness for a man where the opposite is true like it's courageous to speak up um, you know it takes courage and you actually have the ability to save your own life and up someone else with it as well so you, you're actually like a superhero so we just need to change the perspective you know it's not weak but it's courageous and as soon as 
you know, us men feel that we're courageous, we can, you know, feel different about speaking up about it as well. But that's, it's all up to us. So we, of course, it's good to have a government that helps. Of course, it's good to have these massive organizations that help with it. But it needs to come from ourselves. We need to have these conversations with our mates, with our, you know, at, at sports clubs, at our job sites. We need to show each other that we're there for each other and that it's safe to talk about these things. So again, like I said before, like us sharing our own story has the ability to create a safe space for someone else that might be struggling that day or that week to feel like, well, if he can talk about it and I can talk about it as well. And that creates that ripple effect. So if on, on, you know, in that moment, he feels safe to talk about it, he can again be that person for his mates and his family and his community. So we need to create that ripple effect by just, you know, being open and vulnerable if something is happening in our life. So on one hand, yes, we need to build, you know, resilience and strength. Um, that is much needed, you know, because life is just going to throw curveballs at us. But we need to know as well that in times of need, we can talk about it. Um, we all do this life for the first time. We don't have the answer to every question. And there's other people that have, so just ask them, ask them for, for help. It's completely fine. It has nothing to do with being a man or a woman. It's just being human. You can still work on your car. You can still play footy. You can still drink beer. Uh, but it's just as normal to have these open conversations with your mate and say like, you know what? I'm actually struggling right now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's that fact that if we can work on our own mental health as men, we then and you know not see competition in each other like it, it's very important to know that masculinity doesn't mean we have to fight each other it doesn't mean we have like this competition in each other it's good to have that healthy competition to build each other up but not to bring each other down and not to fight each other and if we stand together as like actual brothers we can then you know work on our mental health and we can then work on the other aspect of it you know, men's mental health is not just about men. It's about the people around us, the feminine, our kids. Uh, they're all affected by us wrongdoing because we're not strong in our masculinity. We're not strong with our mental health. If we don't work on that, you know, we are the ones doing the wrong to the feminine as well, like domestic violence, um, uh, verbal and, and, and uh, physical abuse. Um, you know, how do you say it? Um, the discrimin uh, discriminating on, on job sites, stuff like that. Like it all comes forth out us not working on our own mental health. So it doesn't just affect us men, it affects everyone around us as well. So that's another important reason why we have to step up towards each other and, and hold each other accountable as well um, for our own behavior. Um, so there's, yeah, there's so many things that come to it, but it needs to start with us having a conversation with each other. So, you know, I highly recommend just, you know, start a once in, once in a week group with a few, a few lads, like, you know, play, play football, but just end, end the game with just having a chat or, you know, just come together at someone's house for a week or, or just, just have chats other than just cars or football. You know, I love to talk about it, but there's, there's more to it. But we need to initiate that towards each other. We need to show each other that we're there for each other and that we can like rely on each other, support each other and, and create that safe space for each other. That's awesome. And uh, like you said, the accountability side of it is so important, actually holding people to accounts to, uh, you know, to, to, uh, to receive it as well, like you said, because I think a lot of people 
um, might not initiate a conversation on that on a deeper level with one of their friends. But like you said, if you're holding somebody to account to say, oh, you know, if somebody's, you know, if somebody is struggling, um, or you you th you've noticed they're, you know, they're, they're acting differently, or they're not kind of, they're not they're they're not going out free. Let's use this as an example. So they say. Uh, do you know what? I don't really want to come out for for drinks today, or I'm I'm not going to come out for drinks today, rather than saying, "Oh, why the fuck not?" You know, and and sort of trying to prompt them to do it. You kind of go, "Is everything okay?" Exactly. You know, do you want to do you want to talk about stuff? Is there you know is there stuff going on? Sort of just by asking that, they might turn around and say, "No, everything's fine. I just can't be bothered." You know, but if you notice things like that, rather than trying to again do the sort of masculine thing, which is like, "Ah, oh, come on, come on," you know, and 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 call them whatever it's actually being compassionate about it and just thinking is everything okay just in case because you never know you know they might turn around and say i don't know you know someone in my family has got um i don't know got some sort of illness you know or someone's just passed away there could be any number of different things going on or they could just feel really low and it's about just asking them is there anything i can do to help right now is there anything you need from me uh, so yeah, I think that's the, the holding people to account, to, uh, you know, in the sense that you tell your mates to do the same as well, rather than just responding like a you know, like a lad's lad. Yeah. Actually thinking, right, you know, behave like this instead, and you know, and, and also behavior on like nights out and things like that. I think toxic masculinity is something you talk about quite a bit, and um, you know, it's a concept that I've probably come familiar with in like the last year or two, and you know. It's really interesting because you do still, it's still prevalent quite significantly, especially if people have been drinking. You know, they're more likely to just, I don't know, behave in a way that they feel is appropriate um, to, you know, to other women or to, to their mates as well. But like you said, it's, that's when it comes, it becomes toxic when you're, I don't know, like slapping some of these, you know, a girl's bum on the night out and things like that. Like I think some people still think that that's acceptable. And obviously, it's not, and that kind of comes in with you know toxic masculinity. Yeah. I mean, what what are your what are your thoughts on what you know what men can do also to hold each other accountable? Um, you know, so like with your mates, for example, and also at a younger level, how can we instill good values to kind of avoid that materializing into later life? If that makes sense. Um, well, one. Because a lot of people are afraid to start the conversation because they, they, they think they need the perfect answers. But you don't. You don't need to be a professional. Like what you just said already, um, just asking could be enough for someone already to feel like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, someone's caring for me. They can already like, feel like a bit of a relief. And just listening is enough already. You don't need any answers sometimes. Um, just being a listening ear for someone to to be able to share their story and get that off their shoulders could be enough already. So that's, I think, a very important step to know already to have these type of conversations. Mm. And you know, what you said is all like, there, there is a thing called toxic masculinity, but that's just abusing our masculine traits. So there's nothing wrong with just being a man, like, you know, standing strong in your leadership, standing strong in your direction, standing strong in your you know, your confidence and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Just being a man is fine. Like, that's what we need more, actually, in as well. Toxic masculinity is abusing that. So not actually not standing strong in your masculinity and, and using that in wrong ways, you know, being abusive, trying to be bigger than, than the one next to you. Um, 
And I think that's definitely something we need to teach, you know, teenage boys as well, because they still grow up with the fact that they think they need to be bigger and stronger and, and more tough than, than the guy next to them. We need to show them what healthy masculine traits are and what toxic masculinity is. You know, there's a difference. Um, and we need to show them, you know, how to, like what integrity means, pretty much. Like that one word kind of captured it as all. Like we need to be more uh, respectful towards each other. But we need to set that example. It's up to us to set ex uh, set that example. So one, not do not be scared to have those conversations. And two, be, be the example, you know, that you talk about. Be that example yourself. So show more respect towards women, you know, like use your masculine traits not to abuse but just to safeguard that space um yeah i think that's it like would we you say yeah. i was going to say would you think that would you say that self-belief and um higher levels of self-confidence um and when i say self-confidence i don't mean the ability to just walk in a room necessarily and talk to any person that's there but more confident within your uh your, yourself so you're not looking at other people thinking oh i wish i was more like that yeah or um you know or thinking oh i, w I wish i was like this i was like that. oh i wish i had these traits like so instilling or uh, allowing people to build up their own self uh, confidence and their belief within themselves would you say that that is a good start for reducing toxic toxic masculinity because like you said it comes from an egoic place doesn't it? i feel uh, that a sort of need to be the big man or this need they need to uh show your um yeah show your masculine traits but you're doing it in a way that's quite destructive and and shows uh quite the opposite actually it shows that you're trying to be this person that you're not yeah. almost um and i think like you said I think a place that i would say is a you know good to start from is if you can build up the individual self-confidence and, and belief within themselves not to the extent that they're quite narcissistic but just they kind of know who they are they're confident within their own skin and with their own, their own sort of masculinity and then they're actually able to yeah approach situations for, with a more positive light yeah 100% I, I think that is maybe the most important step is, is go on that journey of self-awareness you know try to discover what it is that makes you uh, step out of the comfort zones do things that might be a little bit scary at the time you know uh, things like, like, I think we talked about this last time as well, but things like meditation, yoga, mindfulness, uh, breath work, you know, for most men, that's still pretty far out of the comfort zone. It was the same for me. When I was in the army, I would tell you to hug a tree. But mm. these are all like tools to become so self-aware and make you actually more confident in who you are as a person. So you don't see other men as um, competition anymore because you have so much believing yourself you see people as ego, you, you, you just know that you can help each other out instead of bring each other down. So that journey of self awareness, and it could be reading the books, it could be listening to podcasts like this, it could be watching YouTube videos about this from this, from other men speaking about similar topics. Um, you know, there's all these different ways, but definitely start on the journey of self awareness, like learn how you work, what makes you tick, what, what you know, makes you thrive, what gets you excited. Uh, what you get passionate and fiery about because um, then once you're on that journey you, all the other things will start to fade you don't 
mm. like most men in my opinion most men that act out of you know with 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 fights with hurt with um you know trying to uh, suppress people they do it out of an insecurity because they don't know better they don't know better about themselves they're not like they mm. they show themselves as these really secure men but they're not that's like it's just actions out of insecurity and it's not only until you start on this journey of self-awareness and start to learn about yourself is when you create that self uh, confidence to be that man that we need now that's you've hit the nail on the head there the insecurity is it definitely breeds other things off, off the back end of it and like you said championing that is, is such an important thing okay here we go we're back sweet we go back Okay, so <laughs> we had a little toilet break there. Um, okay, so uh, we talked a little bit about breath. I want to go back to that actually. So, so I know you've done the, um, the the course for it. I mean, going back to like the physical and the mental bed or mental health benefits that you can get from breath work. I mean, what do you think are the key ones, and what are your kind of own experiences is with it? Uh, and also, if somebody wanted to try it today, you know, what what would you recommend? Um, I mean, there's, there's different levels of, of how deep you can go into the breath work. Um, so like how, uh, how I have experienced it so far, I've, I've had two, two different levels pretty much. We've had the ones in the community where, um, you know, we were just offering it to people that want to try it. And the sense you get out of that is just, you know, a pure calm of mind, your heart rate goes down, your, your, your blood pressure goes down, you feel at ease, you, your racing mind goes down, um, and you learn new tools of how to like uh, apply that in your daily life. Uh, you know, you can, you can use breath work at any moment, whenever you feel stressed, whenever you're in a, at a job, you get a new, um, you know, you, you, get, you get a new job in, it just overwhelms you and it overtakes you. You start to stress. You can already apply this within two minutes. Uh, if you're in traffic and someone pisses you off like badly, you can already apply it before you uh, before you react. So you get all these tools. Um, you know, there's a lot of scientific research done about what it does to the body. I can't I can't really tell you like every single uh, bit of it, but of course, like one of them is you sleep uh, already gets better. Um, it's been used for mental health cases where you know the mental health uh, improves drastically with um, using breathwork, and then you've got the very deep, almost shamanic type of breathwork that I've experienced, and that's where, with your own breath, you can go to a different dimension, pretty much, and actually heal things from the past, things that have been stuck inside your body that sometimes you didn't even know were there anymore. Um, you know, like to give, to give one example, there was, um, there was another like Dutchman who was next to me. He had no clue what he was in for just as I, I think his wife sent him on this retreat. And, <laughs> you know, he went through the session and he met his dad, uh, his dad who died when he was a teenage boy. And when he was a teenage boy, you know, he was your typical teenager, he was just being very, you know, naughty. Let's just say he was a bit of a dick, especially towards his dad. And he, when his dad passed away and later on, he felt, um, you know, how much he wanted to show his dad how, like, what man he has become, you know, at his own family. And he, he felt bad about never, you know, his dad never actually seeing who he's become. And then on this breathwork session, 
he managed that and he was actually able to to show his that who he has become where he like this 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 may sound a bit crazy for some people i firmly believe in it because i've experienced it myself but where his dad actually said you know i can see you every day um and it was like a massive healing for him he could let go and he felt so much better for it and it's this countless of examples of i can give from people that had no clue what they were in for but came out with these massive epiphanies or, or just healing sessions so like i said before like i'm, I'm no i'm no expert i'm just learning all of this myself now as well like i'm learning new tools i'm learning new ways and i'm learning how to feel it myself as well but what i do know is that it works and it works drastically in a way that actually blew my mind of how powerful this is so i just want to share my learning curve you know what i've learned so far to people that have not had the experience yet just just so they can see what they can do with their own breath um you know, like I think for sure in this, in later in this post, I can I can give you a whole list of things that will improve once you start breathing better. But let's, um, you know, one thing I really like to say as well, like the pure basics of breathing. We all do it from the moment that we're born, but because of our lives, because of the stresses, we all do it. Like fifty percent of the world's population breathe uh, breathes wrong. You know, it's as simple as your mouth is there to eat and talk but yet we breathe through it. Yeah. Our nose is actually designed for us to breathe through. Like it's, it's, it's got like all these spaces here and it's just like directed straight through the deeper core of your body where the breath needs to go so we can, you know, put the oxygen in the right cells in the right places. Um, but yet we still over breathe through our mouth. We only breathe through our chest and very shallow, like short, shallow breath where we're supposed to be breathing through um, our diaphragm and our stomach our belly that's like our diaphragm actually has a muscle that supports our breathing but we never use it anymore we use our, our chest which causes us to you know create more stress because the shorter our breath is the more um, stress chemicals our body starts to create you know we start to develop neck shoulder and and chest pains because we only um, start breathing from here so by only redirecting your breath already from your mouth through your nose already has this massive health benefits uh, impact on your physical body but your mental state as well um and not you know don't breathe short and shallow but long inhales and exhales so actually start counting your breath and by doing that you can already slow down your heart rate slow down your blood like blood, uh, blood pressure so it's it's actually it's so simple and then yet so powerful and it, it's just something that we've learned to do the wrong way and we just need to you know de-learn it and and learn to do it the right way and that's just by you know every time you catch yourself breathing through your mouth just gently put the focus back on your nose and slowly breathe through your nose again and, and bring the breath down and the more you do it the more it becomes um how do you say it a habit and the more it becomes just natural again. Yeah, this, I know some people actually tape their mouth up uh, while they sleep, so they constantly yeah. like you know they're kind of forced to breathe through the the nose. Uh, this was a game changer for me as well when I when I first came across it because, like you said, it was interesting that more like pretty much everybody breathe through the mouth like all of the time, and we rarely breathe through the nose. But it's um, 
it's we're the only animals in the animal kingdom which actually do breathe through our mouth all of the time or the majority of the time like any other animal if it's a, a deer or getting chased by a lion you know both of those animals they will breathe through their nose up until they're in you know a high stress fight or flight mode where they're running and then they're actually breathing through their mouth you know whilst they're running but as soon as they stop they're back breathing through the nose again and it's like you know we breathe through our mouth when we're running or doing exercise but yeah we do it the majority of the time other than that as well and yeah i i don't know if you you might have come across this as well but what i found really interesting is because we've done mouth breathing for generations and generations for god knows how long our mouths have actually started to shrink so the we've still got the same amount of teeth as we would have had when we were you know well like our, our ancestors would have had like hundreds or thousands of years ago but it's going into a smaller mouth isn't it because of the yeah. fact that we haven't been using our nasal uh, pathways often so it's been shrinking down here uh, and yeah we've that's why we've got to have a, a lot of teeth out now uh, or typically a lot of people have and that's why yeah true so that's that's yeah. one another benefit from it as well like nose breathing you know you, you like our teeth are crook right now because of the nose breathing um you know our smell is completely different because of mouth breathing it's not filtered anymore like it it actually takes away the saliva on your teeth that actually dare to clean your teeth because it dries it out um yeah, there's so many there's so many like with with the jaw as well there's another um reason for that so actually because we started to eat different back in the days we used to eat from the land you know like unprocessed food and nuts and and if we ate meat it was just you know not overcooked now everything is soft so everything we eat is soft so we don't need to use our muscles anymore in our jaw for that reason our faces are starting to get smaller and smaller as well which you know kind of forces us to breathe more through our mouth but we can reverse that whole process by one eating more organically again which is another massive health benefit we should all be more on the healthy food again but yeah it improves your your breathing as well and I, I think when it comes to that physical and mental health i think we have to take a few steps back to being human again over the last few decades we've become so distant from what made us thrive as human um you know breeding our eating patterns um sense of community we've all become you know these these people that do the things for ourselves we, we like you used to be born in a tribe you had your place in a tribe that made you feel comfortable that made you feel secure um, you know it was not one mom that took care of the baby it was the whole community that took care of the baby we've lost that sense of community so we start to feel more lonely again which works negatively on our physical and mental health we need to start finding our tribe again get out there and, and try to find what sets you on fire where you belong um, exercise of course everyone knows it but you know we used to go out and hunt like back in the very old days or actually do hard labor now we sit in a chair so we miss that big part of exercise that creates the endorphins that creates the serotonin like the chemical uh, reaction that takes place in your body that creates the happy chemicals that makes us feel good um, so it's all these base like nature is a massive thing it's, it's funny how when you go through like work and you're just exhausted and you, you need of a holiday, the first thing you say is like, I can't wait to book a holiday to the beach and to the ocean or to the mountains and the snow or to the, to the fresh air. Without even thinking about it, 
you long back to nature. That's where we belong. That's where we grew up. That's where we thrived. Hmm. It's, it's scientifically proven that as soon as our body is in nature, like you dip in the ocean, you go through a, a, a bushwalk, you climb a mountain, your body responds to it. So it starts to create all these happy chemicals again, because it feels home. That's where we belong. That's where we get, you know, our, our health, like our healthy mood from like, if you're, you know, feeling miserable, jump in the ocean or walk through the forest and without you even noticing, you already start to feel better. You start to get more focus. Again, your, your blood pressure goes down. So that's another one that we've kind of distanced ourselves from by living in only in our houses, in our cities, in our towns, or only being in our office. We never really return to nature anymore where we actually came from or what made us feel good. So I feel like, of course, we need to balance it out with the Western society that we live in, the Western world that we live in. Hmm. But we need to implement all those basic things that actually make us thrive as human more. So eat healthy, exercise, community, breath, nature. Um, yeah, we need to we need to start going back a little bit more to that uh, to make us feel good again about our you know physical and mental state. And um, I like it's funny because you, you had the example of. Uh, the lion and a deer, right? There's another. There's another thing we can learn from that story and from from animals because we are still animals, whether we like it or not. We're not on top of the food chain as well. We're like it's not a pyramid; it's a circle. We're just in there. We're all the same. And when a deer gets chased by a lion, you know it will like produce all the chemicals to survive. Like it will do everything it can to survive. So um, let's say. Um, what's it called again adrenaline all those kind of uh, chemicals will go up to not get eaten but then you know if it's if it outsmarts the lion uh, let's say before before the lion started chasing it it was eating grass you know most likely mm -hmm. and then when it out chases the lion it doesn't just go back to eating the grass it stands there and it just shakes its whole body for like half an hour or so so it releases all those stress chemicals that it's had to produce to survive that uh, traumatic traumatic experience. But then us humans, we go through traumatic experiences, it passes and we just go back to normal life as if nothing happens. We never take time for ourselves to kind of de-stress and it can be anything. It could be, you know, at work that you get an assignment that is just too much for you to deal with it at the time or in traffic that you almost hit something, something like that, you know, like the mo the, a mate of mine from that from that retreat, he gave a perfect example. Like, you know, you're you're with a group of mates, and you go to this cliff to jump off the cliff into the water. You walk towards the to, to the to the edge of the cliff, and you build all these chemicals up in your body. And then, in the very last second before you jump down, you turn around, you get in your car, and you drive off. You know, your your body is just freaking buzzing with all the chemicals that it had to create to make that jump and to survive that jump. And now you're just sitting in traffic again. So it's, if you keep doing it, if you keep building those stresses up, it is going to explode. Like there's, there's just no way around it. So whatever experience you've had, big or small, you need to take the time for yourself to just shake your whole body in whatever way that is for you to de-stress, to get those chemicals outside your body again. And going into nature, eating healthy, exercise, um, talking to your friends, like in your community, that's all ways of, you know, de-stressing those, um, those moments to get rid of, of that trauma. 
Yeah, and nature is a is a big one. So I advocate for this myself as well. Like you say, it's, it's all free. You know, having a sense of community is typically you know free. Like you can go out and you know go to a coffee shop and you can just speak to the people in there and you know ask them about their day. And if you do that on more of a regular basis, you start to form more of a sense of community so that that happens with me i do the sea dip in the morning i go for a coffee afterwards and usually the same coffee shop and it's always the same faces in there so it's like oh good morning how are you how was how was work you know this thing you had last weekend or how was your holiday and you know that happens over time and all it takes is a little bit of participation and you to keep showing up really isn't it you know you're going there and you're taking an interest in people's so you're like re remembering their name things like that and they you know th that's little sense of community is, is incredible a big one for me as well as dog walkers so I, mm. I don't have a dog but I just love making a fuss of other people's dogs yeah. and first thing in the morning um, you know I go down the beach go into the sea but there's just there's dogs everywhere uh, they're not allowed on the beach at the minute for the summer months but there's still loads of dogs around and I just love going down there and making a fuss about them you speak to the owners and, and you see the same faces you know quite often um, the dogs remember you after a while so that's quite nice and it's such a it, it, what you don't realize what you're doing i don't think when you're actually there but you know it's making it's making you feel happy because you're actually interacting with you know other people with animals and it is creating that sense of connection and if you're doing that on a regular basis it's it's reduce well, so it's, it's increasing the levels of i always forget the name of this one oxytocin yeah uh you know oxytocin which is the well, i think they call it the uh, is it the connection hormone or the love hormone? There's a, I think it's the, the yeah, it's the connection. I think serotonin is the love one. I'm always a bit confused. Like there's four of them, but they all make you happy yeah. eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's one of them anyway. But essentially, yeah. the you know the link you know increased levels of oxytocin or or regular levels uh, you know, of oxytocin to the lengthening of the telomeres, which is like. I think, I think it's something on the end of the chromosome, which is then directly correlated with your aging. So they say, you know, if you're having more oxytocin production over the course of time, that starts to shorten the, sorry, well, no, hang on, it's, it's, it doesn't lengthen the telomeres. I think it stops the decreasing uh, of the, you know, the telomeres. And the longer they are, the more likely you are to live a longer life. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, hang on. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put an article on that for the podcast yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's gonna make a lot more sense than uh, than what I just said hopefully, um, but yeah no it is it's it, that that the connection side of it and the nature side of it they're two big things that I promote because going in the sea it, it doesn't matter what you've got going on in your life once you get in the sea especially during the winter months you're probably not going to be thinking about it at least for the time that you're in the water especially if you're there with other people you know if you yeah. if you're in the sea by yourself. Yeah, you're thinking about the cold, and you know, but it can sort of bring up some emotions and things. But that, that but that's good. That's important. You yeah. know, it's uh, it's bringing them to the surface because there's something that you need to explore within those emotions. There's something that you know, it's almost your mind and your body kind of telling you, you know, we we need to process this. We need to to yeah. get through it. Um, you know, because I think distraction only works for so long before it comes back and bites you in the ass. And I think that's. You know, when, when people lose somebody in their their life, you just the first instance is like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back to work, and I'm gonna, you know, just crack on, and it, it doesn't work. You know, it comes no. back at eventually. You know, whether it's weeks, months, or years later. Yeah. 
and the remnants of that experience and not dealing with it properly, they they do last a long time. And that's kind of what I always say. If someone's really you know emotional about you know a loss, for example, or their partners you know split up with them or cheated on them or whatever it is, you know, and they're still experiencing the emotion for days and weeks later, and you know, it's kind of say it's good to say that's okay. It's it's yeah. perfectly normal, and it's actually better that you're going through this right now and, and feeling it the way you are, even though it's horrible, you are actually dealing with it because you're allowing the emotions to come through and not trying to cover it up. And exactly. that's such an important message to send, I think. A hundred percent. I think that's the most important one. Like you actually have to feel it. You have to go through it. And of course it's, it's easy to find distraction because whatever hurts, like your body and mind automatically wants to find something. So it doesn't hurt like a survival instinct. But you have to go through it, you have to feel it. And the more you feel it, the faster it will pass and the more you can focus on the good things that will come. And, you know, in future reference as well, like once it happens again, you know already kind of like how it's going to feel. So you get better and better and better at it. But distraction, you know, like it's only going to faster, it's only going to grow, it's only going to get worse and worse and eventually it's going to catch up with you. Um, and you might be in an even worse position then. Uh, that's, that's kind of my own personal story. You know, I, I've done it. I've done it with everything until Murphy's Law. Everything was on my plate at once. And that's when I had to deal with it. Where now I know if, if something shit happens, I sit with it in quietness. It's going to suck. I cry. I feel miserable. But it's, it's going to be good like, like at the end of it. Yeah, no, that, that that's a really important message. It really is because, like you said, it's you know a lot of people they go, oh, you know, I'm not going to cry now in front of people, or I'm not going to cry at all because you know it's a it's it's almost accepting the pain, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. accepting that you are hurt, and that's you know for a lot of people that's quite scary, you know, because coming back to the masculinity side of things, I think for for men in particular, you know, it's you don't want to if you feel like if you're crying you feel like the you know other person or the situation is as one and that's not the case at all no. you know uh, but at, at, at the same time it does take a level of surrender on our part i think when we surrender to you know uh the, our emotions and what's going on that doesn't mean we're giving in to them it doesn't mean that we're uh letting them win in any way it no. just means that you are allowing them to uh, you know, allowing you know to feel yourself to feel the emotion, to feel yeah. the experience you're going through, and when you allow yourself to do that, you're able to make sense of it in the way that we're supposed to, and in the way that it's going to actually benefit you long term by building resilience rather than holding you back by, um, you know, ha having certain traumas around that situation or that experience. Yeah, That's exactly kind of impact you in different ways you know in relationships in the future or, or whatever it is yeah it makes you stronger so like it's like it's, again it's the opposite of of weakness or being weak it actually makes you stronger you know it makes you more resilient so it's mm -hmm. there's there's only benefits from actually allowing yourself to surrender and to feel and just to feel miserable for a bit mm. no 100 percent. you've uh you've hit the nail on the head there um so I'm going to ask a, I'm going to ask a question, well, two questions. I got two more two questions for you actually. So one of them is, what's next now? So we've done, you know, done Everest, done the barefoot walk, the, um, <laughs> you know, setting two Guinness World Records in the pro in the process. So, what what's the next move? What's going on? Uh, have you got anything in mind for? Yep, yep. Unfortunately, I do. Um, <laughs> it's actually already 
a podcast I listened to before I even started the walk with Wim Hof. Like Wim Hof is just an you know, all-round legend. And he's got like 26 or 27 world records on his name. I was listening to a podcast where he mentioned he once did half a marathon barefoot on Arctic ice. And, you know, I hate running, but therefore I need to do it. Um, <laughs> and then I was thinking, okay, cool. He's done half a marathon on Arctic ice. He did it. I think, I'm not sure where he did it, but he's like, it wasn't like in an area of a city. So now I have come up with the idea. Well, first go to the North Pole and then to actually go to the pole itself. Have a 21k circle around it. So I run through every time zone on the Northern Hemisphere, then go to uh, Antarctica, I do the same on the South Pole, the other way around. So I run through every uh, time zone on the Southern Hemisphere. And it's not about breaking his record. It's not about setting a new Guinness World Record, it will be cool, but uh, it's not about, it. it's about the journey leading towards the poles. Like the, the two poles are the first indicators of you know, what the state of the world is at. And right now it's definitely not looking too great. So the journey towards the poles is all about, um, you know, doing it without using any fossil fuels and you know, showing what we can do to reverse what we've been doing, mostly for future generations to come so they can actually live, you know, in a more healthy world. So, you know, using a train, a sailing boat, uh, a snowmobile, on batteries, um, a kite with skis, and then eventually I'll be running barefoot. So I'll definitely, you know, leave no footprint behind. Um, so that's that's uh, hopefully next year's mission. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you know, and again, that's to show that one, you know, resilience. Our body and mind are capable of doing so much more than we give it credit for. There's already so many people that tell me you can't do that. Like your toes will freeze off. You watch me. Like it all happened. Um, <laughs> and then to use that momentum again to, of course, speak about mental health and about the environment. So I get to do two this time. Um, and then in the meantime, like fully focus on, on this, like just sharing the words, like keep, keep sharing the stories and, and use as many platforms as I can, I can find to, um, it, to make it grow and to, to heck, make that ripple effect grow. So it just turns into this massive wave of awareness towards People in general, uh, men in particular, that it's completely fine to to speak about your mental health um, and to ask for help. That is absolutely incredible. Fair play. The, uh, <laughs> like, you want to come the, with me? You know, I, 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 lo I love as well, like how 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 like well, how you and how well the people come up with like these the, these sorts of ideas. You know. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing. That will be one hell of a challenge. I, I think I, it's I, right up your alley. I think you should join. I, well, I, yeah, I'm game. I'm 100% <laughs> up for that. Let's let's do it. I've done 5k on the ice before. Yeah. And it was at barefoot as well. And that was, it was challenging. And I had like, it felt like frost nip afterwards. So like my yeah. feet were tingling and stuff like that. So I had socks on. I, you know, is laying in bed, just trying to warm them up and, and stuff like that. And they were fine. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a different sort of uh, beast when you're doing it barefoot on the ice. But I'm a hundred percent up for getting on board with that. All right, sweet. Yeah, that's well, uh, uh, that's. A, we'll get this yeah, done. We'll make, we'll make it happen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and last question I've got then is: so um, a motto or mantra that you love, tend to live by, something that kind of guides you throughout, uh, you know, out within the challenges you do or just in daily life. I mean, I I I I, I go from 
one to another so often like you know i see one and then i was like wow that that really resonates with me where i am right now but one that always stays is nothing is impossible you can do whatever you set your mind on it's you know the mind is the strongest power and muscle there is on this planet and if you set that one right you can do whatever you set your mind on so nothing is impossible is definitely a mantra i go by hundred percent you're spot on with that as well it's yeah i think we're all we, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things that we can achieve and i think when you start to do the kind of stuff that you're doing which is pushing past those boundaries of what we expect to be um or what we think is normal or what we feel is our limit once you push past that you start to discover, oh, this there's, there's a whole world out here of possibility. Exactly. And I, I, yeah, I think just to add on to that, anyone listening to this, if there's something like a self-limiting belief, there's something that you think that you can't do, or you've told yourself up until today that you can't do. Ask, you know, I, I would say set yourself the goal of actually proving yourself wrong, because when you actually go and you prove yourself wrong. That, that completely changes your perspective on everything. I think you start looking at the world as, you know, in, in, with a growth mindset. So, okay, what is possible rather than this isn't possible? Like, you know, I, it's completely changed my perspective on things. Just set, you know, start, set, sorry, stepping up from a half marathon to a marathon. Like that one thing changed everything because I thought I couldn't do it. And when I went and done it, I was like, right, hang on what else what else can i do so yeah yeah that's a really important message love that yeah it's it's it's, it's only the limits we put on ourselves you know that mm-hmm. make us stop doing things that we want to do but then once you start looking for you know those limits that you put there yourself you start to see i'm the one that put it there like no one else and you can go over it like in the army they always said whenever you got tired they said you're only 10 percent of what you can actually achieve so they were constantly mm-hmm. pushing those boundaries to show you that there are no boundaries like you can just go and go and go and go um and then once we like start to feel that power that's in everyone like i'm not special in any way just like no one else is but then is you know what i mean like everyone's special in their own way but then it's not like i'm out of the ordinary i just look for those boundaries to find out like there are none and that releases what you said that releases this power that everyone has to do more and be more in every aspect of life. Awesome. No, that, no, that's amazing. Honestly, thank you very much for, uh, for for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Like, I think we have got a lot of good messages that have gone out today. Um, yeah, so I, no, I, like, like I said, I really, really appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to have a chat further about this uh, this other <laughs> challenge as well because that challenge. is definitely right up my street and I, I, you know yeah. it's a good challenge when you get those little butterflies as well about the idea of it and you're like oh exactly so yeah then you know um, what's going to happen <laughs> yeah like <laughs> what we just want to say as well um, anybody listening to this so if people want to buy your book uh, obviously I know the Dutch version's out in two weeks English yep. version will be out at some point as well so um, I think it's on your website thebarefootdutchman.com is that right? Yeah that's right and if they uh, just follow on Facebook or Instagram the Barefoot Dutchman um, you know, I'm updating there pretty much every single day um, as soon as the English, like the English version is out they can get it on there straight away as well 
awesome cool and get an audiobook out as well because oh, I, sure. I have a good audiobook i do <laughs> <laughs> for sure you've got to read it though you've got to read like, it I, I, might, I might let you do the english reading then because you know if i read in english it's going to be a long long book i think yeah, I think, well, do you know, the Welsh accent might be quite cool to add. Yeah, uh, I think add so. Add a twist onto it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. No, I really appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Awesome. Take care. I'll see you soon. See you soon.